0: This episode is brought to you by the members and donors of the Best of the Left podcast. For information on membership, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Ring of Fire, The Daily Show, The Rachel Maddow Show, The Tom Hartman Program, The Colbert Report, Counterspin, and The Young Turks.
1: A friend of mine emailed me a film clip that showed a room full of very old white guys celebrating the fact that America had lost its chance to host the 2016 Olympics. The note attached to the email was, is this what we've become? Well, I told him not to overreact, but in truth, I was just being kind. When America lost the Olympics, Republican leadership high-fived Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, and the handful of other oddballs that now define their political party. I suppose that crowd was gleeful that America had lost revenue of more than $6 billion or maybe they were happy that America had lost a projected 400,000 jobs that would have been generated from those games. But we'd be kidding ourselves if we believed that bitter crowd was only celebrating those losses. That became clear when we saw the same crowd whine like colicky babies when Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize. Disturbed red state radio host told their listeners that this great honor for all Americans, an honor that should have been for all Americans, that it only occurred because of international affirmative action. Glenn Beck told his audience that the Nobel Peace Prize should have been given to leaders of his tea bagging crowd.
2: The Nobel Peace Prize should be turned down by Barack Obama and given to the Tea Party goers and the 912 Project.
1: (laughs) You know, I was wondering if he was referring to that same crowd that held up signs of images of Obama pictured as a monkey. I mean, why waste the Nobel Peace Prize on an American president when you could give it to that crowd? Think of how much fun the conspiracy theory conservatives are going to have with this new development. I'm sure the same crowd that brought us the birther conspiracy and the death panel conspiracy will all jump on a crazy train that they can ride out for weeks on this issue. It's clear that a segment of Americans who watched the GOP lose, completely lose political relevance in the last national election are still so angry that they've lost basic walking around sense. For them it's impossible to see that the most prestigious peace prize in the world was given to all Americans, not just Obama. The award announces to the world that our vote for Obama was a vote for a transformative figure who has a vision that's different than the one that Americans projected for eight dark years under Bush. That vision is one that moves the world towards nuclear disarmament by having an American president encourage treaties rather than ignoring them. It furthers the possibilities of easing tensions in the Muslim world after eight years of war-driven hostility. It's a vision that recognizes that intelligent diplomatic dialogue can rebuild the ruin left behind from the W years. This Oslo committee appears to be thrilled that Obama's goals for the world are more in line with Woodrow Wilson rather than Genghis Khan. Uh. When Americans elected Obama, they voted for that same vision. All Americans who made that choice share in this honor. We share in this together. We're already seeing benefits. For the first time in eight years, the Pew organization is able to report that a 25 nation poll shows that America is finally again viewed favorably by the rest of the world. The only people condemning that trend appears to be the Taliban and a small, petulant crowd that's still angry about the 2008
3: election. But he never got undressed And no, he never made a mess It's funny how life turns
2: out The odds of
4: To be fair, 24 hour networks have a lot of ground to cover. For instance, a couple of weeks ago, Saturday Night Live opened their show with a sketch poking fun at Obama's ambitious yet entirely not accomplished agenda. Luckily, CNN was on the case. So did the show accurately capture a mood or did it go off track for comedic effect? Bill
5: Adair, editor of PolitiFact.com, a nonpartisan fact-checking website that rates the statements of elected officials, says SNL missed the mark on some of its claims.
6: I think SNL tended to kind of gloss over what is a, a fair
2: amount of progress by this administration.
4: You fact-checked SNL sketch. <laughs> That's what you fact-checked, a Saturday Night Live sketch. You got together, uh, did some research, and put together a report on an SNL sketch. While you were doing your research, did you also find that sharks live in water and don't deliver candygrams, that there's no African-American equivalent of Mr. Rogers, and that the majority of boxes do not have in them, did you find that out? Were you able to look into that? Did you have time? That? Actually, uh, I'm having a little fun with CNN. Fact-checking is the function of news. That is the public service they provide. It's one of the reasons the healthcare debate has been so fruitful. <laughs> you can't get away with on CNN. For instance, a mere day before the Saturday Night Live fact-check Arizona Republican Senator John Kyle tried to sneak a whopper past John King. Watch. Almost everybody agrees that we could save between 100 billion and 200 billion dollars if we had effective medical malpractice reform. Holy, 1 to 200 billion just for malpractice reform? That is an impressively high, citation-free, completely made-up number. <laughs> and Kyle had a bunch of them. King wasn't going to let that stand. Between 100 billion and 200 billion dollars, a 500 billion dollar cut in Medicare. It's a huge increase both in taxes and premiums. Seniors are rightly to be very concerned about that.
6: We will talk more about this as it reaches the floor. I assure you, we're out of time on this day, Senator John Kyle of Arizona.
4: Out of time on this day, your show's four hours long. <laughs> out of time. Wait a minute. Your name is John King. Give yourself three extra minutes by royal decree. (laughs) Actually, John King was probably just biding his time for the CBO report, which said, quote, malpractice savings would only amount to $11 billion. Even over a 10-year period, it's still only $54 billion off the deficit, not the $100 to $200 billion claimed by Kyle. I'm sure after the report came out, they had a huge fact-check segment on the... (laughs) I'm being told they did not. I'm sorry? Well, uh, how about if Fred Armisen learned a John Kyle impression? Would they cover it then? I'm being told there's no one talking to me right now. But listen, you can't bring your aid game every time. Let's try another one where we try and determine how many uninsured or underinsured folks are really out there if you really begin to break down the
5: 30 million, whatever, the number keeps changing, of uninsured Americans, when you get down to a hardcore number, it's about 5 to 10 million that can't afford health care. I mean, out of a nation of 330 million people, I think that's a very small percentage.
4: Wow, that's a very small percentage, I think we'd all agree with Uh First things first, according to the New York Times, America now has 307 million people, not 330 million people, so you're only off by a factor of Australia. <laughs> Second, with that explanation, he went from 30 million uninsured down to, you know, the hardcore number, 5 or 10 million. Well, that's pretty close, 5 or 10. It's only double. You know, it's interesting because I weigh between 150 and 300 pounds. Now, that's normal for someone who's 6 to 12 feet tall. Look, there's a lot of work to do with this right here. Harris make him show his work.
2: We
5: should take incremental approach
2: and address the specific problems, gotcha. not taking over the whole program. And and there's still some
4: debate about the whether it's n- the nine million, what the total number, and there's some census numbers that right 40, okay. <laughs> but numbers exist, and I'm sure we can agree that one of them is probably okay. <laughs> You know, statistics is a funny game. Uh, what about bold, slippery slope statements? If we do this, it leads to catastrophe, the lamest rhetorical chick in the book. And what they're doing is they're
7: trying to do this in increments by, if they can't do it directly, they'll do it in increments until they finally get us to the point where you're going to have socialized medicine. And if that happens, uh, the greatest country in the world with what I consider to be the greatest health care system in the world is going
4: uh, to be deeply, deeply uh, harmed. All right, and let's let's leave it there. Somebody's going to pick it up later. Does anybody pick it up later? We have
8: to leave it there, gentlemen. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there, gentlemen. We're going to have to
4: leave it there. All right, well, we've got to leave it there. We're going to have to leave it there, I'm afraid. We'll have to leave it that part of the conversation there.
0: It's the drug companies that are funding the president's campaign in favor of health reform. Well, uh,
4: we're, that's well we're not, not going exactly. to get into that right now. Karen, hold your thought, because yeah. we got to leave it there. We're out of time. <laughs> it explains CNN's new slogan. CNN, nobody leaves more things there. <laughs> now, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to fact check every, you know, crazy congressman or senator that comes on your air when you're only on 24 hours a day. But the beauty of the news is watching the CNN anchor and the CNN reporter work together to peel the health care onion.
5: Are the insurance companies saying that in order for the overall bill for this health care reform, this $829 uh, billion that we're talking about, in order to keep it below, uh, I guess, a trillion, then are they saying that what you're not hearing is that your premiums are going to go up?
8: They're saying what you're not hearing is that your premiums are, go- are, go- are going to go up, that the cost of your coverage is going to go up. That's what they're saying. Um, the people who are writing the bill and the people who are negotiating and voting on the bill tomorrow say that's simply just not true. How do you check it? Uh, can, can we check the numbers? That's, I mean, that's, that's a good question. <laughs>
4: You're not sure whether or not you can check? <laughs> that is a good question. Can we check the numbers? Oh, you know who could check those numbers? All those <laughs> people behind you! <laughs> with on the computers! Uh, shouldn't they be checking the numbers? Actually, uh, uh, CNN does have a non-SNL fact-checking mechanism. It's called balance. Basically, it works like this. You get two crazy bald people, one representing the right and one representing the left. And since those are the only two functional and rational, and rational points George of view, George the anchor Bush helps them come President to a golden consensus. Obama. James, has the stimulus worked? Well,
7: certainly it has.
8: If James wants to call progress 9.8 percent unemployment, $1. <laughs> 1.2
7: trillion dollar deficits and no end to them in sight. Where well, I come came from, in. Going from 632,000 to 253,000 is less. Well, sure, right, so I'm, so let's so I'm going, going from 7% pro- unemployment uh, to 9.8% pro- unemployment pro- is worse. I'm sure there's nothing that would stimulate the Republican base, like, like like seeing people who are out of work, is for no fault that they own, not have this.
4: We're going to have to leave it there. <laughs> leave it where? I don't even know where we were! What exactly did you have to leave it there to get to? Meet the next YouTube star. His name is Josh Sacco. Just five years old, he recites a monologue from his favorite movie. The film is called Miracle.
3: Screw up! <laughs> this is your turn. Now go up there and take it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo. Great. Bravo indeed. To be fair, there was probably no other way people could have seen that. YouTube video.
3: I'm faded, black busted, been jaded, I've been dusted, I know that I've seen better days. One foot in the hole, one foot getting deeper, crank a 2-11, blow another speaker and I ain't got, I ain't got much to lose.
9: On this show, I interviewed my colleague here at MSNBC, Keith Olbermann, about he and I being used this week by the Fox News channel as a means for that network to hit back at the White House. Fox this week criticized the White House for inviting Keith and me to attend an off-the-record briefing with the president, given that the White House has also recently criticized Fox, which of course is seen as one of our competitors. Well, the White House, including the president himself, has said in recent days that they will treat Fox essentially as an opposition political outlet rather than a normal news channel. That position was made manifest yesterday when the White House arranged an interview sitting for the executive pay chief, Kenneth Feinberg. The way these things work is that the newsmaker sits in the same chair and talks to the same camera, but every five minutes or so, the interviewer the newsmaker is talking to changes. So it would be NBC interviewing Ken Feinberg for five minutes, then ABC interviewing Ken Feinberg for five minutes, then CBS, then CNN, etc. Well, yesterday, the White House said that Fox would not be among the networks invited to interview Ken Feinberg in one of these round-robin pool interviews. And the other networks came to Fox's defense. They said they would bow out of interviewing Mr. Feinberg themselves unless Fox was included. So Fox was included. Fox has since been trumpeting this as a victory over the White House and as evidence that the media sees Fox as a news station, even if the White House doesn't. Fox is right in that the media generally does treat Fox as a news station, even as the White House says they're not. Is Fox a news station? The answer to that is unrelated to the question of whether and which Fox hosts and correspondents express their opinion about the news. It is possible to express an opinion about the news and still cover the news responsibly.
7: We, the American people, the world's admired democracy, cannot ever again allow ourselves to be misinformed, manipulated, and misled into disastrous foreign adventures.
9: Walter Cronkite's statements of his opinion about the Vietnam War did not negate his authority in delivering the news about that war or about anything else. Today, Bob Schieffer, the venerable host of Face the Nation, sometimes closes out that program with his commentary on the news of the day. That commentary, while its opinion, doesn't make his audience believe less in Mr. Schieffer's ability to deliver the news and to do so well. Anchors like CNN's Anderson Cooper and yes, Fox News Channel's Shepard Smith earned respect and admiration from their audiences and beyond with their impassioned expressions of opinion and outrage against the failed response to Hurricane Katrina.
7: The government said, you you go here and, and you'll get help, or you go in that Superdome and you'll get help, and they didn't get help. They got locked in there, and they watched people being killed around them, and they watched people starving, and they watched elderly people not get any medicine, and now they know it's happening because we've been telling them repeatedly over and over every day.
8: For the last four days, uh, I've been seeing dead bodies in the streets here in Mississippi. uh, And to listen to politicians thanking each other and complimenting each other, uh, you know, I got to tell you, there are a lot of people here who are very upset and very angry and very frustrated. And when they hear politicians slap, you know, thanking one another, uh, it just, you know, it kind of cuts them the wrong way right now.
9: It's not even just anchors, even for flinty, hard-nosed reporters like war correspondent Lara Logan at CBS. uh, The expression of an opinion about the news that reporters cover is frankly sometimes part of covering the news.
10: What kind of a wake-up call do you need to say that you're still at war? And and so this idea that you can separate the things is just ludicrous.
9: Expressing an opinion about the news does not negate one's status as a news reporter or as a correspondent or as a news anchor. The expression of opinion about the news is not the difference between Fox and the rest of the news media. The difference between Fox and news is that Fox is now actively organizing and promoting a protest protest movement against the U.S. government.
2: Celebrate with Fox News. This is what we're doing uh, next Wednesday.
9: That was a promo run on Fox in advance of the Tax Day Tea Party protests. I say it was a promo, not an ad, because no one paid Fox to run that. The network produced it themselves, promoting as a network protests against the government and, and helping to organize them both on their website and on air.
2: We want to be with you and your tea party. If you have a tea party anywhere that we're not covering one of those, email me at glennbeck at foxnews.com. We may cover your tea party live on April 15th.
9: In addition to the tax day protests that Fox helped organize in April, they also organized and promoted a protest against the government on the occasion of 9-11, oddly. It was the so-called 9-12 march organized by Mr. Beck, who you've seen here, one of the network's primetime hosts.
2: I launched a project back in March, and it comes together Saturday, September 12th, 9:12. Thousands of people are going to gather in Washington, D.C., and around the nation to stand up for the principles and the values that have made America great.
9: The difference between Fox and news is not that Fox's hired personalities and executives and producers share and express an opinion about the news, that they share an ideology. Opinion has always been a kissing cousin to news, and one man's ideology is another man's objective passion. The difference between Fox and news, the way in which one of these things is not like the other, is that only one of these organizations is organizing anti-government street protests. There's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly legal, as far as I know. Uh, It just makes Fox an opposition political outlet to the Democratic Party and the Obama White House, rather than a normal news channel. The exclamation point was put on that fact today when it was announced that the next round of Americans for Prosperity anti health reform rallies, which we've highlighted on this show in the past, they will be headlined by Fox host John Stossel. Mr. Stossel is a paid contributor at Fox News. He hosts specials for them, and he's about to start his own primetime hour on their business channel. But not before he tours Arkansas leading rallies against what our friends at Americans for Prosperity call the dangers of government. Forced health this is a story that most of the media has gotten wrong so far by not only defending Fox as if Fox is just a news network that has a right-wing point of view, but by ignoring what Fox does as a network that has nothing to do with the news. It's a free country, and Fox can do what it wants. once. God, God, God bless them and keep them. Uh, but it would frankly be strange, it would be weird for the White House, for the U.S. government to treat a group that is organizing protests and rallies against it as if that group is just covering the news. It's not. One of these things is really not like the other.
3: It was a slow day and the sun was beating on the soldiers by the side of the road. There was a bright light shattering of shop windows the bomb in the baby carriage was wired to the radio These are the days of miracle and wonder This is the long distance call The way the camera follows us in slow-mo The way we look to a song The way we look to a distant constellation that's dying in a corner of the sky These are the days
5: Fox News dimension of this, I find particularly fascinating, because Fox News viewers are notoriously uninformed. And what I find fascinating about this is the deceptiveness of Fox in branding themselves as news. This is a strategy that Rupert Murdoch brought to the United States from Australia and the U.K., in Australia and the, and I've spent a lot of time in both places, and uh, I'll, you know, probably in aggregate, I've spent close to a year in the United Kingdom and and six months in 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 Australia over over the last thirty years on a whole bunch of different trips. You know, if you add it all up, I mean, I, I I'm I don't represent myself as any kind of an expert on either country, but I've been there, and I've certainly been a consumer of their media, and. Because Australia has the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, and I've been on ABC programs a number of times, um, it's the, it, both locally and nationally, they have, you know, every, every major city has a local ABC station. It's sort of like PBS for us, but they take it much more seriously. And it's a major network, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. And in England, they have the British Broadcasting Corporation, BBC, and it's a major network. And they set up, and in both cases, they set up these barriers so that the people who are reporting the news on the ABC, the Australia Broadcasting Corporation, the BBC, the British Broadcasting so that the people who are reporting, the, and, and in many ways the CBC in Canada is like this too, and, and and you find the same in many other countries, they set up these barriers between the management and the news reporters so that there isn't a direct accountability, so that there can't be political influence. We did much the same with the Corporation for Public Broadcasting in the United States. There's a couple of year lag on, on appointments and, and you know tr- to try to depoliticize the agency so that the news that gets presented is actually news. And as a consequence of that, most Australians and most Brits, if they want to know what the actual news is, they watch BBC or ABC and they get the actual news. And so what's left over for the newspapers is opinion. And so there's all these newspapers. You know, the Times of London now is owned by, by Rupert Murdoch. Used to be, like the New York Times, used to be kind of the newspaper of record. In fact, arguably it still is. Used to be solid and, and not opinion. Murdoch did the same thing to that that he's done to the Wall Street Journal, which is turned it basically into a rag. And Murdoch owns a bunch of other, he owns a bunch of tabloids in the U.K. and in Australia. And these tabloids make small pretense of being news. They're just opinion. So when he came to the United States, when Rupert Murdoch came to the United States, he did the same thing with Fox News. He called it news. But in the United States, because we don't have this long tradition of a strong national news agency, NPR and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting have been basically eviscerated. You know, the last time that NPR did serious investigative reporting was was uh, what 10-15 years ago when they they outed Archer's Daniel Midland for their price-fixing and which led to a 300 million dollar fine and all of a sudden Archer Daniels Midland is now a sponsor of NPR and there's no more investigative reporting going on well that isn't how it works in, in Australia and England so because Americans don't have this news agency that we can all turn to on TV and on on the radio and actually get the news all the time with with regularity and consistency, we tend to believe that when NBC News says it's the news, that it's the news. That when CBS News says it's the news, that it's the news. When ABC News says it's the news, it's the news. And that when Fox News says it's the news, it's the news. But Fox News isn't the news. It's opinion. 24-7. Opinion now they like to compare themselves to msnbc but msnbc's slogan is not we are the news the news isn't even part of their name
8: take a minute here to defend the mainstream media's favorite punching bag, Glenn Beck. They are attacking the silver gopher just because he dominates the coveted demographic of 18 to 49-year-old voices in his head. Now, it's perfectly fair to attack Glenn for what he believes. After all, he's a public figure. Just like President Obama... Or Kermit the Frog.
2: Oh, gee, I wish we had a special interest group. How come we don't have a lobby, you know, representing us? Oh, there's going to be just lots of hope and change. Oh, gee, how could you possibly say that? They're working overtime trying to make things better. Oh, my gosh, what a fearmonger that Glenn Beck is. He's a
8: fear-monger of a thousand voices. <laughs> well, Two. But now they're coming after Glenn for something much more important than his beliefs. What Glenn believes is irrelevant. He has said himself that he is not a journalist. He's just a rodeo clown. And if you believe what he says, you're an idiot. Which itself proves that Glenn believes what he says. But Glenn does more than just say things. Tell them what you do, Glenn.
2: I just love my country, and I fear for it.
8: He just loves and fears. And sometimes he just fears love. But the point is, he feels things. His show was like a dramatization of the pain chart on a pediatrician's wall. But now, now, folks... Those feelings, those feelings, something Glenn and evidently Thorazine can't control <laughs> are being doubted.
7: I
5: think he's nuts, okay? Just, just out and out
7: nuts. And I also think that, that he's a blatant hypocrite. Provocateur uh, Glenn Beck. I don't think there's any reality to it.
8: Kind of in the great mode of kind of charlatan evangelist, mm-hmm. don't you think? Only in America can you make that
7: much money Crime.
8: Wrong, Senator! <laughs> You can do it in Mexico, too. I believe they were watching Lou Dobbs. (laughs) Now, recently, Glenn Beck defended his feelings with a sincere and impassioned defense of the sincerity of his passion. I either believe what I say or I'm a fraud. And I respect Glenn for not telling us which one it is. (laughs) Somehow, somehow, Glenn found the courage to keep talking about
2: himself. What you're saying is that I don't believe it, that I'm acting, that my tears are fake and everything else. Well, you know what? It's time for the television industry and all the the press and everybody else to put your money where your mouth is. If I'm acting, then I'm the best damn actor on television. I want the Daytime Emmy. Way to reach for the brass ring, Glenn. (laughs) There is no higher
8: honor for an actor than the Daytime Emmy. I mean, this guy's just as believable as Susan Lucci. And I want to say to Glenn, I feel you, brother. Because people have said the same thing about me. Steve Colbert is a fake pundit on TV.
6: The king of fake newscasts, Stephen Colbert.
8: He doesn't mean what he's saying. If
6: anything, he might mean the exact opposite.
7: If he is the conservative's
2: blessing in disguise, he's certainly very effectively disguised.
8: I'm effectively disguised, (laughs) Keith (laughs) Olbermann. You're a sportscaster. (laughs) And the it-getters out there know that for the past four years, I have meant every word I felt. So all we really need to do to gauge Glenn's sincerity is to compare him to me,
2: Jim. Acorn and their powerful union friends get a seat at the bargaining table, and you don't. You don't even know about it. This shadowy group of community organizers... is up to something china has started buying up natural resources i'll show you how that affects us tomorrow and why your kids should start learning to speak mandarin people of america we have got to stop china
8: (laughs) economically militarily technologically they are catching up with this look what they did to chuck norris (laughs) let
2: me go to chuck norris how are you chuck i'm doing great glenn thanks (laughs) you need to see the things that are hidden in plain sight Progressives, fascists, communists, Mussolini, Karl Marx, USSR, NBC, Diego Rivera, Rockefeller Plaza, syphilis. Now, what do they all have in common today? Well, that's something you're going to have to figure out.
8: I want to find out who killed John F. Kennedy. Okay, Kennedy, Kennedy Airport, O'Hare Airport, Chief O'Hara, Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Royals, King Arthur. Camelot John F. Kennedy oh my god it was suicide.
2: You're not alone. I'm turning into a freaking televangelist. This is
8: just raw motion going out in the world.
2: I'm sorry. (laughs) 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 I want the Emmy. Emmy please.
8: It's like looking into a mirror. After you've done a ton of coke off of it. <laughs> clearly, clearly, Glenn Beck... <laughs> clearly, Glenn Beck is as sincere in what he says and does as I am in believing that baby carrots are trying to turn me gay. <laughs> and, folks, that is great news. Because if he and I don't believe what we say and don't mean what we feel, then you, our viewers, aren't just being intellectually impoverished. You're being emotionally defrauded. And that would be a cynical manipulation of Americans' legitimate fears, in which case we shouldn't be on TV at all. And I don't know about Glenn Beck. (laughs)
7: But that idea makes me very sad. (laughs) I'm sorry. I
8: just love my paycheck so much. (laughs)
11: One of the big media stories of the moment is the White House's beef with Fox News. Tired of the channel's relentlessly right-wing slant, several administration officials have decided to go on the attack. When White House communications director Anita Dunn went on CNN to explain their case, one example she offered was Fox's non-coverage of the latest news on Republican Senator John Ensign. In early October, the New York Times reported that Ensign had arranged a lobbying job for a staffer whose wife, he had been having an affair with. It's a possible violation of Senate ethics rules. Dunn noted, correctly, that Fox had not covered the ensign revelations. A search of the Nexus News database shows the subject coming up once briefly on the network when a Washington Post reporter mentioned it during an unrelated discussion. But Dunn's charge didn't sit well with Fox News Sunday host Chris Wallace. On his October 18th show, Wallace said he had to fact-check Dunn, and he ran a tape from July in which he asked a guest about Ensign's extramarital affair, as illustration that Dunn was just plain wrong. But that wasn't the same story. Dunn was clearly referring to the recent revelations, which suggest that Ensign was making political arrangements in connection with the affair, a much more serious and newsworthy issue. Dunn had also complained that Fox zealously fact-checks Obama administration guests. We're all in favor, actually, of journalists fact-checking public officials. It's just not clear that that's what Fox does. A little more on that,
7: Glenn Beck also responded,
11: unsurprisingly,
7: to the White House criticism of Fox News as being something other than a real news outlet. On his October 18th show, Beck mocked the administration for being, quote, more worried about the war on Fox than the actual war in Afghanistan, close quote. He went on to say, quote, America is fighting the war in Iraq. They're fighting Afghanistan, Osama bin Laden, Al Qaeda, the Taliban, and now these people have taken on another enemy, Fox News, close quote. Okay, spotting hypocrisy at Fox is like shooting fish in a barrel, but still, if Beck's line is that the White House ought to pay more attention to the real wars the United States is fighting abroad than to its ideological opponents at home, is it really crazy to ask whether that's a principle Beck practices? or merely preaches. The website Politico took a look at the topics that have been discussed on Beck's show since it debuted in January. Afghanistan has come up 97 times, Iraq 95 times. There have been 50 mentions of Osama bin Laden, 40 of Al-Qaeda, 38 of the Taliban. But if the number of times he returns to a topic is any indication, those aren't the country's most important enemies or issues. No, the important enemies of the United States are the SEIU Labor Union, who came up 259 times, and the White House aide Van Jones, mentioned 267 times. And the number one enemy of the United States, for Beck, would seem to be the community organizing group Acorn, whom he has brought up 1,224 times. So it's unclear, does Beck want the White House to match his espoused priorities or his actual ones?
3: Let's have Let's forget-
5: Periodic Berlusconi alerts as a way of essentially warning Americans. Silvio Berlusconi, the Prime Minister of Italy, started out as literally as a lounge singer on cruise ships. So this guy made a living in his 20s. There's nothing wrong with that, but this is where he started out. And he hooked up with some organized crime guys, some mob guys. They're, you know, they're in Italy here as well as here and basically got into business, got into the media business, bought a radio station, bought a TV station, bought a newspaper, bought another radio station, then another TV station, then another radio station, then pretty soon he ended up buying the nation's largest radio network. Then he bought the nation's largest TV network. Then he bought the nation's second TV network. So all that was left was, uh, I think it's called REI, which is their equivalent of NPR, which he now controls because he controls the government. And he ended up, controlling 90% of all the media in Italy. And when he was at the point where he controlled 90% of the media in Italy, he ran for prime minister, created this party called the, I think it's the Liberty Party, and boom! Guess who won? Surprise, surprise! 90% of the media that, in terms of readership, viewership, listenership, 90% of the media you own, you do pretty good. Well, here's, in that context, and and in that context, let's shift gears to Fox News for a moment. Keep keep in mind, Fox is part of a huge media empire that uh, Rupert Murdoch started many, many years ago in Australia. He has cut deals with the Chinese, for example. He provides satellite television to the nation of China's people and has cut deals with that communist totalitarian government to censor the news there in China. He Provide you know he he owns the Times of London. He owns one of the one of the big uh, networks in in the UK. One of the big satellite TV networks, and he he owns one of the the satellite TV networks here in the United States, and he owns Fox News. And when he started Fox News, it, it explicitly from the very get go was not a news operation. It was a propaganda arm for the Republican Party. Now that's something that is not uncommon in other countries to have newspapers that you know have a pretty clear political bias and beyond newspapers the even radio and TV stations that have a pretty clear political bias but in the United States because of the Fairness Doctrine for all those years from the 1920s right up through the 1980s basically 87 was when Reagan blew up the Fairness Doctrine we Americans were conditioned to believe that if it said news and it was on television or radio which are licensed by the FCC and regulated, that it was actually news. And so when Rupert Murdoch hired Roger Ailes out of the Bush White House, Bush the First, uh, Roger Ailes, I, I believe his political uh, legacy goes all the way back to Nixon. When he hired Roger Ailes, who was a major media advisor to Bush the Elder, to run Fox News, it, you know it basically became the propaganda arm of the Republican Party. And now comes this very bizarre story. Frank Luntz, the right-wing pollster who has an an NLP expert and general all-around advisor to the Republican Party all these years, is strongly recommending that Roger Ailes, the guy who created Fox News with Rupert Murdoch's money and has been the the, the president of it all these years, that Roger Ailes run for president of the United States. Uh, Luntz says... I've known Roger Ailes for almost 29 years. No one knows how to win better than Roger. Uh, He says that uh, Roger Ailes could be a force if he makes the run. Now, whether this is Frank Luntz just sucking up to Roger Ailes to get more face time on Fox News, or whether we're seeing the beginning of a serious, I don't know, you know, maybe he could run as a third party challenger and thus push the Republican Party even harder to the right. Or maybe it's a serious effort. I mean, who knows? Ailes is 69. It doesn't rule him out running for president, particularly given, you know, Ronald Reagan uh, being uh, rather elderly. But we'll see. But I just, I just found it chilling, frankly. I, I don't have a better word for it. And here's another in this, along these same lines. Fox News has been outed by the White House as not being a news agency. The White House doesn't treat them as a news agency. The White House doesn't take, take uh, questions from them. They don't do interviews with them. They're basically, their position is Fox News is not news. And it's not. Fox News is a propaganda channel, pure and simple. Now you could say the same about MSNBC, but MSNBC doesn't pretend to be news. At least their opinion programming, they, 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 their slogan is not MSNBC News. It's MSNBC: The Place for Politics. So Keith Olbermann and Rachel Maddow and so forth, you know, they're not they're not pretending to be news. They're they're saying here's the news with our with our perspective, our opinion, and they then and they have on opinionators all the time. So, you know, and good on them. So anyhow, the White House, uh, the, the Ken Feinberg is the so-called pay for the White House. He's the one who is helping work out how much the banks that we own big chunks of now that we have bailed out with our taxpayer dollars or with money created out of thin air that will deflate our currency over time and increase our taxes, and then basically we're bailing out the banks. I mean, there's no other way around it, whether it's through our currency or whether it's through our taxes. Ken Feinberg is working out what the pay going to be. And all the news agencies wanted to interview him. And Fox wanted to interview him, and the White House said, you know, he'll, we'll make him available to real news agencies, ABC, NBC, AB, uh, CBS, but not Fox. And when the White House said, not Fox... The other big corporate news agencies, keep in mind, all of these, you know, by the time somebody hits White House correspondent or somebody is, you know, senior producer, you know, the top levels of these, of these massive news corporations, uh, you're looking at very substantial incomes for these people. This is an old boy club of the very rich and of the media insiders. And all the networks got together and said, you know, we're not going to let you freeze out not Fox News. This is just an amazing story. The White House attempted to block Fox News from a round of interviews. This is posted over on the Huffington Post with Pesar Kenneth Fine Thursday, but the Washington Bureau chiefs. See, I'm telling you, it's an old boy club of basically wealthy media power brokers. The Washington bureau chiefs of the five TV networks included in the White House pool refused to interview Feinberg unless Fox News was included. Fox News is not news. It's just—it's just that simple. But uh, don't tell that to NBC, or ABC, or CBS, because the fact of the matter is that by and large they're not news anymore either. See, what's happened is when when. Uh, Ronald Reagan blew up the Fairness Doctrine in 1987, and then Bill Clinton, you know, put the nail in the coffin totally in 1996 by signing the Telecommunications Act of 1996. All of the news organizations used to be separate bureaus with separate budgets and separate heads and separate hierarchies, and, you know, they, they used to be basically silos within the news agencies. And they had to stand alone. Back when I worked in in news, seven years in news, back in the 1970s, if I was caught talking to a salesperson about content, I could get fired. It used to be that way with all the big networks. But after 1996, when Clinton signed the Telecommunications Act, all three of the big networks brought their news divisions in under the overview of their entertainment vice presidents, their entertainment divisions. So now their news divisions are all about making money.
6: If you're still painfully stupid enough not to believe that their news side has an agenda, we've got something awesome for you. But before we do that, I want to explain something. Because they throw out, all oh, opinion hosts and news, and they try to confuse you. In my mind, there are three different categories. There are the opinion hosts, like Bill O'Reilly, Keith Oberman, the Young Turks. We do opinion, right? Then there is uh, ideologically driven uh, news or what you call the partisan press, right? That's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying Fox News shouldn't exist. Obviously. It's a free country. You can do any uh, kind of show you want, any kind of network you want, right? Uh, oh, but you just have to be clear. And they are ideologically driven, obviously. Now, on the other hand, they'll say, oh, MSNBC is ideologically driven. Nonsense. Morning Joe is a Republican. Three solid hours. He's a former Republican congressman. He claims he's the most conservative guy in America. Three solid hours in the morning. And when they do their news, they don't say, how can we help Obama? They don't have news meetings where Dan Moody, the vice president of Fox News, sent that famous memo saying, hey, if the Democrats win, try to catch uh, terrorists celebrating. We'll put it on air and pretend they're on the side of the Democrats. MSNBC and CNN do not have meetings like that, okay? because they are the third category, straight news. Not everybody on MSNBC, they have opinion shows like Oberman and Maddow and Ed Schultz, et cetera, et cetera. But their news division is straight news. Now, if you say, hey, now, wait a minute, Jenk, I didn't, still not sold, I mean, after the comparison of the parades, after I've seen a million things that Fox does, after they drove this whole acorn and Bill Ayers and, and Reverend Wright and all that nonsense, And and even after they called a whole election for Bush uh, by hiring his cousin to do so, still not convinced. All right, let's see if this will do it for you. The first clip we're going to play for you, clip number five, is organized by the Republican Party. It is the talking points that they want to put out. It's an official part of the. It's from GOP.com. Okay, so let's watch that first. Here you go.
5: Where are the jobs? Where are the jobs, Mr. President? where are the jobs
6: listen listen with me and see if we can hear the sound of jobs shh shh shh. gotta listen real close quiet well I'm I'm not hearing anything the administration told us in this house months ago that if the American people stood in favor
2: of the stimulus package that unemployment would peak at eight percent and yet here in Illinois the state that I represent we've now eclipsed 10%.
6: And most
7: of my constituents are asking, where are the jobs?
11: Well, the economy hasn't gained three million jobs. It's actually lost three million jobs. Where are the jobs? And unemployment is almost 10%, and in my home state of Michigan, it is 15.2% today.
1: Before we move on to the next big government scheme
5: of this administration, the American people are asking, Mr. President, where are
1: the jobs? The speaker said it's about jobs, 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 jobs. But the national unemployment's 9.5% and in the Midwest it's in
4: double digits. Where are the jobs?
11: Where are the jobs with the
8: stimulus? They want to know why the only apparent answer here in Washington is more spending and more borrowing. My constituents want their voices heard.
0: The American people know if Americans are not working, America is not working.
2: All the trillion dollar stimulus bill did was spend taxpayer money to create more government regulations, more government control, and more government
5: bureaucrats. That's too bad, and that's just
2: the way it is. The number one priority of this Congress and this administration should be job creation.
10: My constituents, along with those across Ohio and our nation, are asking, where are those jobs?
6: Now, you've never seen a more clear Republican talking point in your life, right? Those were all elected Republican officials, obviously all on the same page, and the theme that they want to pound in is, where are the jobs? Now let's go to the Fox News anchors and see if they've picked up on this theme. Hmm. Clip number
2: six. Uh, At this point, with so much money spent and so many people out of work, a lot of Americans have the same question for the White House day after day. Where are the
7: jobs? So, where are the jobs?
2: America's economy on the road to recovery, but with a big problem. Where are the jobs? If it is working, where are the jobs? Uh, Where are the jobs? Which begs the question, where are the jobs? That's a growing economy, not great from the lows, but it's growing. So, where are the jobs? All right, where are the jobs?
8: Well, you know, it really is going to be where are the jobs? That's the big question.
2: Uh, the unemployment numbers, It makes you wonder the question we've been asking all week. Where are the jobs in America today? Uh, I think there are four questions on this whole segment. Uh, where are the jobs? Who's well, talking about them? Just where are the jobs? Simply. We'll continue to ask the question, about- where are the jobs?
6: Gee, did they pick up on that Republican talking point and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it through their news anchors? Well, we report, you decide. Is there anyone in the country left unconvinced, really, really, that they're not just an outlet of the Republican propaganda and clearly conservative, and and nothing wrong with being conservative, as long as they plant that flag and say, hey, you know what, we're an ideologically driven channel, and our job, we view it as progressing the conservative ideology. So if our news is tilted that way, of course, because we're, we're ideologues then I say, hey, have at it, Hoss. That's perfectly acceptable. But to pretend, and for the rest of the press and the news, to pretend that they are not ideologically driven, that they're nonpartisan and give you straight news, is greatly harmful to this country and to the truth. It, it can't possibly be any clearer. All right, now... Um, what is the result of all of this? Now, I showed you the result in 2000 was enormous, right? What's the result today? Well, uh, turns out <laughs> there's a story out now because of a poll done by Gallup about how Obama has now, quote, become more polarizing than Hillary Clinton. Okay, let it sink in. Okay? So, it's not that they have attacked him so much, it's that Obama is polarizing. When he came in, he had a 78% approval rating, unreal, sky high, right? Even among Republicans, he had a 60% approval rating when he came in. That's been knocked down to 19%. Now why? Gee, I wonder how, how did that happen? Could it have been the non-stop attacks from Fox News and the conservative radio hosts and the rest of the press that aids and abets them by pretending they're doing real news. And then in the end, it's not because, and the story gets reported in the Associated Press, not as, hey, they tore down his numbers by attacking him nonstop, but Obama has become more polarizing, like it's his fault, than Hillary Clinton. Gee, I wonder how Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton got so polarizing. It couldn't be that... uh, that they uh, got attacked in the same exact way by Fox News Channel and those same conservative hosts. By the way, look, if Obama was an ideologue on the left, and he was pursuing policies that were, you know, clearly liberal, clearly progressive, clearly way left-wing, then you say, well, all right, then maybe both are at fault because Fox News is clearly viciously attacking him with things that aren't even true uh, a majority of the time, right? But hey, he's also had it coming, right? Instead, Obama, <laughs> as you, we've seen a hundred times, out of his way, a bipartisan, please, 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 let's be bipartisan. I'm begging you to be bipartisan. How can I get Olympia Snow's vote? How can I get Chuck Grassley's vote or Mike Enzi's vote? What, what do I have to do? What do I have to give away? What concession do I have to do? What compromise do I have to do? Oh, banking laws? Screw the banking laws. No, 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 no. Uh, public option, of Yeah, 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 I like it, but it's not essential. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. What else do I need to give away? I mean, you just saw today. He was at, Bobby Jindal gets booed during his speech. Obama's giving a speech, and the crowd uh, boos when he mentions Bobby Jindal. And he says, no, "No, no, 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 no. Bobby Jindal's a good guy. He's trying, working hard, and he's doing a good job for Louisiana." That's the guy who's polarizing. Now, look. This is what drives me crazy. It's because this is not an accurate reflection of what's actually happening in this country, and. And if all of the press goes along with the same message, the same wrong message, how are we not surprised when we come out with an electric that is grossly misinformed? And the, the organization that is at the center of that misinformation is Fox News Channel. If the White House does not attack them, they would be incredibly foolish. Of course they have to attack them. And on all fronts. And the fact that the rest of the press goes along with Fox News is disgusting.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. So I just I want to fill in for like the probably like 10 or 15 of you who haven't already started your own Internet podcasts in your like studio basement. I I just want to inform those of you who, who aren't aware, when you start a new podcast like I did, you know, three and a half years ago, they they actually send you a manual, you know, and you have to sign off and yes, I agree to these terms and conditions uh, to to run a podcast on the internet and and one of the rules, just I mean, it's like almost a hundred pages single spaced of, of rules you have to agree to. One of them that stands out a lot though, and you'll know this to be true if you've ever listened to any other podcast, is uh, if you ever replace your microphone, you have to announce it to the audience. You're not allowed to upgrade equipment and just keep doing the show as though nothing's happened um, because you sound different. And maybe you sound better, maybe you sound worse, but you definitely sound different. People are going to notice. And so it's one of the rules you absolutely have to tell the audience. So today, just to stay in good standing with the podcasting community, I have to announce that I have a new microphone. Now, technically, I haven't actually owned a microphone for about a year. I, I broke my original microphone about a year ago. And so I've been kind of borrowing one. And uh, And then I started getting comments from bosses of mine who will remain unnamed that I didn't sound as professional as I could. So um, this is my attempt at a, a new setup with a new microphone, and uh, and so of course I have to tell you about it, because if I sound bad, so much so that you're about to uh, you know unsubscribe from the podcast in disgust, I'd much rather you just send me an email and let me know, something needs to be adjusted, treble's too high, bass is too much, whatever, and then I can attempt to make adjustments as we go. So now, as I do, of course, every show, I need to thank a couple of members, because they're the ones who make it all happen. Uh, first, Camille, and I apologize, it's either Camille or Camille C, who signed up uh, just recently on October 4th, and just want to point out that she went above and beyond the minimum donation, which is always extremely appreciated. I mean, I understand that you know the mem- members uh, sign up and, and pay you know a little bit each month, and they get extra benefits for that, but anyone who goes above and beyond that they're not getting anything extra they really are just doing it to support the show which uh, which is awesome and then secondly uh, i want to thank mary l who signed up even more recently just on october 12th and i want to thank her especially for signing up for a yearly membership so sign up you know she actually ends up paying less over the course of a year but you know to to lock in and and support the show for for a full year is awesome so, huge thanks to all the members and really all the listeners. Every one of you helps support the show just, just by being there. But there are lots of ways you can, uh, you can help out. First of all, just by telling five friends, helping spread the word about the show will make a huge difference. You can become a member for as little as less than $5 a month. And by leaving five-star reviews in the iTunes Music Store. Between the shows, of course, you can stay connected and show your support by uh, joining up at twitter.com slash bestofleft and facebook.com slash bestofleft, and I update all those with lots of great links to progressive, you know, videos and articles and all sorts of things I come across during my weekly research, and then, of course, members of the show actually get access to the Best of Left raw feed, which is a podcast that delivers audio and video clips that I find since directly to your computer, ready to be transferred to a portable device of your choice. You guys know the drill. And I just want to make clear, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, there's so many ways that you can stay subscribed to the show if you haven't already. Uh, first of all, we have MP3 only. That's just totally standard audio program, as well as the enhanced feed, which then is only compatible with iTunes and iPods. You can also get the show on your smartphone at stitcher.com. You can sign up to be notified every time there's a new episode by email or even have CDs of the show packed up and delivered to you or your less technologically advanced uh, friends and family every week. And then finally, of course, I just need to mention that links to the music and sources used in this episode as well as all of our episodes are available in the show notes on the blog at bestofleft.com. So finally, coming to you from inside the Bellway, and border, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, DC. My name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast delivered to you every Wednesday and every weekend, thanks to the members and donors from Bestofleft.com. Right. On
3: only maker that she- floor'll we'll take you out in the open door this is not my life it's just a fun flower to a friend